Hi there, welcome to Victim to Victor, the podcast dedicated to empowering abuse survivors and inspiring healing, hope and positive change. I'm Anu Verma, a published author, and in every episode, I'll sit down with a guest and embark on an insightful conversation about trauma, as well as practical strategies to start the healing process. So let's get started. I hope you enjoy the show. And in today's episode, I have Madiha Sosan on my show. Madiha is a successful award-winning motivational speaker who faced challenges in her life from a young age. When she was just 13, her dad was diagnosed with cancer. He passed away within a year. Soon after her father's death, her mother fell ill and Madiha then became a young carer from the age of 14. As a result of that trauma, she started suffering from crippling anxiety and depression to the point she could not even leave the house. After 13 years of suffering from anxiety and depression, Madiha went through a spiritual awakening, at which point she was able to find the answer within herself. After her awakening, Madiha went through a rapid transformation, not only physically, but mentally too. She began to see the world from a new perspective and she invested heavily in personal development. After two years of intense inner healing and working on herself externally, she finally healed past her traumas. She wanted to inspire and help people, which led her to become a motivational speaker. She has since been nominated for the Best Female Inspirational Person Award, which she went on to win. And here is a wonderful and award-winning motivational speaker, Madiha Sohan. How are you? Yeah, I am good. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Wow. It's been a while since, since obviously scheduling um, our first initial talk. So I'm so grateful um, that, you know, you've been patient with me whilst I've been recuperating from the lovely COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know everybody's getting and I had it as well. So, you know, it's been it's 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 a long journey with COVID kind of thing. Two weeks of hell, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 I totally understand, totally. But we finally made it. We finally made it, you know. <laughs> we got there in the end. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm so excited to talk to you because of your tremendous journey of victory and, you know, what you've been through as a young child to where you are today. And it would be so great for you to enlighten my listeners on, on your journey. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, where do you want me to start? <laughs> do you want to ask me questions or what should I just tell you about my story? Or? Yeah, yeah. Just t- tell us in a n- nutshell. In a nutshell. That's quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be quite. <laughs> right, first of all, where were you born? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So, yeah, I was born in uh, Rawalpindi, Pakistan. So, as you know, life in Pakistan in, was um, complete, uh, completely different and very, very difficult because we didn't have enough money. So up until the age of um, three, me, my mom and my dad lived with my grandma. So, you know, my mom was quite ill, poorly in Pakistan. She had hepatitis C and B. Um, So we didn't have enough money for um for her treatment so my dad moved to the uk to create a better life for us that was around the age of three after the age of three really yeah wow and so obviously your time in um uk was it i suppose you were a little child um because yeah it could be quite a, a difference going from the eastern to the western culture and you know adopting the different um culture and, and the ways of living i mean how did you find that yeah, it was at first it was quite difficult because, you know, my dad moved to the UK around the age of three, but me and my mom were still in Pakistan up until the age of seven. So, you know, um, you know, when even especially in schools, uh, when I was in school, I was actually physically abused by a teacher. You know, she would every day she would get me in front of the class and she would ask me to read something, you know. And if I made a mistake, she would punch me, she would slap me, and she would hit me with rulers, and she was only doing that to me. And and nobody else. So when I came to the UK, 
obviously it's a huge, like huge shift from coming from Pakistan to the UK, right? First of all, you know, I didn't speak any English, which meant I didn't have any friends and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And, and obviously in school, when I was in school here, I was extremely terrified of the teachers because the abuse that I was feeling in Pakistan by the teacher was, I thought I'm going to, experienced the same thing in the UK. So, you know, I was crying almost for almost a year. I was crying in schools, uh, in my school. And, um, I remember going in, uh, in one of the meetings with the, with the head teacher and, and, um, my parents. And I remember uh, him saying to my parents that, you know, it's not, a no, it's not normal for a child to cry this much. And we need to put her in special needs school because, you know, she's disturbing the class. And so that was, you know, it was um, really difficult, you know, to kind of just merge into um, life in, in the UK in terms of, you know, because um, like it was just the teachers, I was just terrified of them. You know, at that time, I did not know what was going on. My parents didn't know what was going on and teachers didn't understand what was going on. I was only like seven, you know, that was obviously, I didn't know what the trauma was. Now I know why I was so afraid to go to school. Right. Um, Yeah. Because, and it's the fact that they just diagnose you with special needs and just because you were upset. Yeah, just because I was crying in school all the time. Like, oh, you used to go in the morning, you used to throw a tantrum. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to be around the teacher. Um, and plus, I didn't have any friends either. So, you know, that was even more of a sense that I was alone and I was isolated, really. Yeah. And um, yeah, so, you know, they didn't really have any, any understanding of it. They, they thought that I had mental health issues. But bottom line was I was carrying trauma trauma from Pakistan you know and you know so my parents didn't do anything my uh, the teachers didn't do anything you know um but then after a while I kind of settled into school you know I re kind of realized that the teachers in the UK weren't um as horrible as they were in Pakistan you know and they were more gentle they were more um loving more caring um so i quickly kind of adjusted to life in school after after a while wow. and um yeah so other than that life in in um <clears throat> in uk was still really um really difficult because my dad you know, my dad was earning, um, you know, um, so many, he was working so many jobs to create, you know, that income for us. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember, um, my, our very first house, it was like, it was a private rented house and, um, you know, a, 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 we only had one bed and one heater in the living room. Um, my mom and dad gave me the bed while they slept on the floor. And that was our lives for two years, you know? So all of this was going on in school and all of this is going on at home. I'm seeing my mom and dad stressed so much. Um, and it's just been, that was the journey of up until the age of seven. Um, that was my journey, you know? Wow, absolutely. So what happened from there, um, life in the UK? Um, was it a blessing to be here? Yeah, well, you know, I don't know. It was it, at that time. I it was a change. It was something new. I'm not. I wasn't used to because you know in Pakistan I used to used to run about in ground or you know everywhere. There's we lived near where the mountains were and like you know it was more of a nature like you know I was the only 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 child outside playing in the ground while all the kids were inside in the summer. You know how it is in Pakistan. It's like fifty or well, forty fifty degrees in like during the day, and I used to. Walk and then come home with like a massive headache. <laughs> I was like, my mom's yeah. like, why do you keep playing outside? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it's, yeah, it was, it was a huge, huge difference, but even though um, it was a blessing because there was a more, I would see more of a love of we had hope with a, we had a home to live in, you know, um, before when my grandma passed away, me and my mom, uh, moved uh, in with, um, my, um, my auntie and her husband. So we just kind of, we, we didn't really have a home to stay in because my mom was really, really unwell in Pakistan. Um, so and plus they were helping us out, you know, with other things and taking her to hospitals when she needed it, you know, because we didn't have, obviously we didn't have money. We didn't have, 
anybody to kind of look after us other than them. So they've been absolutely, they were amazing. You know, four years, they, we stayed with them and they looked up, looked after us. And yeah, so I'm really, really grateful. So what happened um, later on in life then? Because I know that you started suffering from um, severe anxiety and depression. So how did that come about? So, yeah, um, around the age of 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. So not only all of the um, the hardships that I was experiencing ever since the, day, the, ever since the day I was born, you know, it got to a, a age 13 where my dad was diagnosed with uh, cancer in his in his um, bladder first and they removed his bladder. Um, and then it came back after a couple of few months and and then within a year he passed away so because um so what happened there was like my parents did not tell me how severe the cancer was right they kept telling me that your dad's gonna be okay the doctor said he will be completely fine but the doctors were actually telling them something different you know they were the doctors were saying that he's only got a year to year or two to live right? Maximum. Um, but I was just walking around thinking my dad was going to be okay. And up until, you know, before he passed away, about a month before he passed away, he, I remember him like rolling on the floor, crying in pain. And, you know, he was taken in hospital. Um, because I had fears, fear going into hospital, I, uh, my dad said not to come to the hospital. Um, I will speak to you on the phone and kind of probably part of a reason because, you know, they didn't tell me how serious it was. They just did not want me to see that, you know? Um, so he just, he, they kind of kept me away from the hospital. And, um, I remember I was still walking around, talking to him every day on the phone, walking around thinking he'll be fine. He's just going in for treatment. That's what they were saying. And, um, it got to, I think two, three days before he passed away. Um, I remember my cousins were around all of a sudden, my cousins were coming in and, um, you know, and, um, everybody was rushing around in the house and I was like, uh, what's going on? And, um, that was the day my mom set, actually sat me down and said that, um, doctors only gave only, um, your dad stopped breathing and doctors giving him only two, three days to live. Um, and, um, that was like, really like, that's where the shock came in. It was like, I was walking, I was walking around thinking my dad was going to be okay. Now you're telling me he's going to die in two, three days. Like he stopped breathing. What is going on? Um, then I eventually went to the hospital to see him and honestly, um, I, I can understand now why they did not want me to see him because he his bones were showing, his beard was growing, his like you know it was just it was the cancer was eating him or, or eating him alive, and it was just such a horrible, horrible. I didn't, I couldn't even recognize that he was my dad, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm kind of just grateful that I had that moment with him. That I went up to him and I just, I don't know, I was just just guided to say this to him and I said to him dad if I've ever hurt you in any way please forgive me and um he just smiled and he said you're my child and then that was the last conversation I had with my dad and um that was it that was it he passed away two three well actually two days later and um yeah yeah and then uh, the anxiety came actually, well, actually six months after my dad passed away, my mom had a severe rheumatoid arthritis attack. So she had hepatitis C, she had hepatitis B, obviously anxiety, depression, and the the intense emotions that, you know, come with like looking after someone, who, you know, her husband basically who had cancer um and that I feel like that was like a really heavy trauma when my dad passed away really heavy trauma that hit her really hard that you know she was um she her fingers and toes were bending really really fast within months and um doctors were quite worried they they they've you know I, th- I think my mom said the doctor said they've never seen anything kind of like it because you know, normally the illnesses progress slowly in a way, you know, if, but she's had the really, really severe form of um, 
uh, rheumatoid arthritis. And within months, she was completely bedbound. Her fingers were bent. Um, so I became her young. I became a young carer at the age of fourteen, really. So I had a, such a big responsibility on my shoulders, um, and. You know, um, I used to feed her. I used to change her clothes. I used to take her out to the park. I used to, you know, in a wheelchair trying to be that adult. So I did not even grieve the loss, mourn the loss of my dad because I was thrown into a responsibility of taking care of my mom. And we did not have any, you know, and I didn't have any family around. Like I didn't have, um, I didn't have a, um, my own family you know I was the only child so so we kind of relied on social services and we relied on strangers to kind of just help us out in certain area but you know my my auntie and my uncle from from Pakistan they were used they used to come here and my my other family in Canada but they used to visit and help us out whenever they could you know I was really grateful for them so um that was the only that's what that's where it all started with my anxiety and depression where the pressures were so much that um i started suffering from crippling anxiety and depression to a point i could not even step outside the house without having a panic attack so you know i used to have two three panic attacks a day i used to be so fearful in such a dark place you know in a fear of maybe i'm going to lose my mom and the pressure and you know um even if i would go to my garden i would have severe panic attacks right so I used to have um community befrienders come and take me out to the garden first and then they would come again and they would take me out to the park and then they would come again and take me out to the street you know so it took them years and years like you know to get me into that state and then it was almost it almost felt like I was taking 10 steps forward and taking 50 steps back you know that was my journey and I was cooped up cooped up inside my house for over 10 years really that was my life I was living in a cage cage did not know what was going on in outside world um did not have any friends the only friend i had was um from high school and we barely saw each other because i was uh, i was so ill you know so um yeah so we didn't really that was my life for many many years where it was it was like i was living in my own hell that was my own hell yeah basically and how, how did you um, did you carry on with schooling during that time college yeah, well, um, when I started caring for my mom, I think I was in year seven or year eight. Um, so yeah, my school life did take a hit, a huge hit because of the responsibility. So I barely passed my GCSEs and, um, because I missed about year, year eight and nine, a bit of year 10, I missed completely three years of school. Um, because of my caring responsibilities and you know in year seven it was um it was it was quite funny because while the, all of this was going on it's uh, not funny but like it's a bit like really tough on me that, that while all of this was going on with my dad um I was getting bullied throughout the whole year in year seven you know so it was like uh, in school I was getting bullied in in at home I'm, I'm seeing my dad rolling in pain so I just was like, I just did not know a way out. I was 12, 13, you know, experiencing this. Um, and yeah, so, uh, you know, I went on to, um, you know, um, went on to college after school and I did ICT and administration past, but like still very much struggling with my anxiety and depression. You know, it wasn't that bad to a point I could not leave the house at that point. But up from the age of 18, I think 19, after college, that's when it completely, my system completely shattered. You know, I was trying so hard to not feel my feelings and emotions. I was trying to suppress everything. And my anxiety and depression was basically just, it was an alarm bell that was ringing, ring, 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 ring. There's something you need to see. There's something you need to sit with. There's some, but, you know, at that time, I didn't, I had no concept of it. <laughs> no concept. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? You realise like a decade later thinking, oh my goodness, that's what was happening internally. You know, if you don't have the knowledge or, you know, I suppose back in those days as well, obviously I'm not saying you're old, but, <laughs> you know, it wasn't so big, wasn't it? Anxiety and depression, it wasn't so readily discussed. And I know, you know, there's, there's still a stigma attached 
to these terms as well, you know, in different yeah. societies that we live in. Would you, would you say that like back in those days, we were more outdoorsy, we were connected with nature, we were doing a lot of those things. We didn't have phone as a distraction. We weren't going partying. Like it's like an everyday thing now, isn't it? Like uh, running away from emotions is everyday thing now for everybody. You know, we can't sit for five minutes without emotions. We are either listening to music or we're watching TV or we're, you know, back in those days, we didn't have that. So we had, we were kind of doing a lot of self-reflecting maybe. That's why it wasn't as heavy as yeah. it is now. You know, the, yeah, yes. Yeah. So many distractions now as well. Oh my goodness. Mm. You know, you just have to get onto your phone and you've got all these apps just to distract you from what, what's really happening. And yeah, you know, it, it does make you think yeah. if, um, you know, the future's, there's going to be more issues because, yeah. of, because of, you know, so many distractions and that people just aren't able to just sit and meditate. Yeah. Well, not even meditation. All you have to do is just be in that state of, um, just in your presence mm. and for some reason we've lost that you know of being in our presence we've not been able to tap or tune into ourselves and that is our nature that is us right this mm. is us this is how we we kind of you know a lot of us um a lot of us think that you know our emotional guidance system is nothing it's, it's nothing you know, um, the, the way we have to be is to ignore it. Mm. But our emotional guidance systems are always telling you, because if your emotional guidance systems are out of whack, then your body's going to be out of whack, then you're going to be out of whack. Everything is going to be out of whack. So it's not just your emotional, you have to look after your body as well. And that's why, you know, they say exercising or looking into mindfulness and looking into your emotions and, you know, feelings is so important. And the way I got to that stage was I had a spiritual awakening, basically, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, I wanted to yeah. ask you about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Come about. Yeah. So basically, so I was during this time experiencing all this, like, you know, anxiety, depression, didn't, I, I lived in, um, well, my, my household was like Muslim. So, um, but I did not believe in anything. I was an atheist. I was very strongly against God. It's like, why, if, you know, if God was real, why would he make me suffer? Why would he make anybody else suffer? You know? And, um, and I was like, oh, you, you're looking for, I was very, very offensive. Like, you know, you're looking for a man in the sky to save you, but he's, you know, it's, it's, it was very, 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 I was just an angry child. You know, I used to think like that, but, um, around the age of 27 that's when everything changed um so I'll tell you a bit about experience I don't know if you've heard of people who've had out-of-body experiences at all um yeah um so yeah what basically happened that week was actually I was quite calm there was nothing really going on and I um I felt like a vibration within my body so it wasn't like shaking it's like 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 that it wasn't yeah, I just thought I just can't find the words to kind of describe describe it. So um, yeah, it was like a vibration, and all of a sudden, I ended up in this place where everything was just completely white. You know, like there was a, it was so bright that it didn't even hurt my eyes. And while I was in that state place, I don't know whatever you want to call it. While I was in that state, I felt uh, like I was home and I felt like I, this is where I'm originally from, from. And I felt the unconditional love that was something bigger than myself. And um, while I was in that state, um, I saw like a beams of lights within the white light and um, from my understanding, there were souls standing there without any physical appearance. And as I went up to one light, you don't even walk there. You kind of float there. <laughs> you don't even talk by like um, mouth. You talk by mind. It's really weird. And as I went up to one light and turned around, turned into the face of my dad, and he just smiled and he said, everything is okay. Don't worry. As soon as he said that, you know, I felt so much love, obviously seeing my dad, you know, it was just that, that state or place. It was just incredible. And I, when I, when I, when he said that I came back and I remember from my right toe to top of my leg, uh, sorry, right toe to top of my head, um, my whole, um, body was kind of vibrating and, um, and then I, I was just like, what is going on? You know, uh, I, I've never 
experienced anything like this, I was freaking out. It's, it was almost like I was in a state of bliss and I was, all, and then my ego was, was taking over and in, like in fearful states, like what is going on? There's something wrong with you. And then the blissful was like how amazing that experience was, you know? Uh, so one minute I'm, I'm like really high and the next minute I'm, I'm like, like panicking and terrified of what was going on. Right. So I didn't tell anybody what was, what happened to me. And I, for a week, I was just walking around thinking what is going on, what is going on. And then uh, a week later, same thing happened. You know, I was, um, this time I was asleep and I ended up in this place again where everything was white. And then, and, um, and I felt this bubble of energy just wrapped around me. And in that, in that moment, I felt so much love. Like, like I said, love that I've never experienced in my entire life, yeah. not even from my parents, you know? And, um, that was quite brief. So I came back and I remember opening my eyes and that was the first time ever in my life that I, um, I said the word God. Now I still don't use the word God. I use universal energy. Oh, so whatever, you know, it's, everybody has different way of pronouncing this, you know? Um, and so that was the first time I started mumbling in my sleep, like, uh, thank you, God, for everything. I was just so grateful to be here. And I was just so grateful for the fact that, you know, I felt like when I was in that state, everything was connected. Every single thing was connected. You know, like we were all connected. We were all one. Yeah. And when I said, thank you, God, for everything, um, I heard the loudest voice in my right ear that said, stay positive and keep going. Wow. That was the night that changed everything from a person who can leave the house without having panic attacks to doing everything, socializing, helicopter rides and becoming a motivational speaker and then winning awards. It's like, it was, it's been incredible journey. Really. <laughs> oh my God, your life just turned around. Yeah, completely, <laughs> completely wow. within the five years. It's been such a rapid transformation. Even I can't even, I, can, I don't even know. I don't even know what, what really happened. Like it was just, Amazing, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. But the, the most important work that I was doing was the inner work, right? You know, what we were just talking about. Um, the most important work was, it wasn't just all rosy. I had to go within myself to um, dig in and bring out all those traumas, right? So, because I had enough, you know. So the, I was doing fifty percent of external work, which was going out, doing things, and you know, personal development. And then the fifty percent was actually sitting with myself and feeling those feelings and emotions. So, you know, um, it got to a point because I used to distract myself as well a lot. You know, even even when I was cooped up inside the house, I was distracting myself. I was doing things, or I would be. Um, you know, watching, watching, binge watching on, on, on a series, or I would be, you know, playing games. So, so I'm not looking into my feelings and emotions. And I just randomly started, um, I ran, randomly sat with myself and I uh, asked myself just two questions. How are you feeling today? And, and are you okay? And when I started these quite asking these questions, everything that I suppressed more than, um, more than 15, 16 years came up for me to heal one by one. You know, everything about my dad, my mom, my rough childhood, even some of the things that I didn't know I was suppressing were coming up for me to heal. Yeah. I was going to say, so um, it's all, I, I always love hearing about people's and healing journeys. And did you receive external support like by a therapist or a healer? No. Well, during my darkest time, I was in and out of therapy for many years, uh, but we barely stretched, uh, scratched the surface of the trauma, you know? And um, it was only after when I had my awakening, I would say in awakening, you know, you can call it spiritual awakening. You can call it whatever awakening you want. Um, I started to dig deep, deeper inside of myself to find those answers. I wanted to go in and pull those roots out of the trauma because I had enough, you know, when you've had so much suffering in your life and that's like, it gets to a point where no more, that's when you change your life. That's when you start to change your life. And I was doing this work for, 
on myself for two years without telling anybody. Even my mom didn't. I was living with my mom. Even she didn't know. And there was days where I was in my room and rolling on the floor, crying, and then getting up and playing badminton. That's that. That's how easy it became. <laughs> you know. Amazing. Absolutely. And so what do you think was the most difficult part of all of that? Was it accepting what had happened to you? Um, I think the most difficult part was obviously, yes, acceptance. And the most difficult part to overcome was uh, getting out of victim mentality. Okay. Being in victim mentality, most of my life's thinking life is doing this to me you know, not for me. After my awakening, I understood why I was experiencing the things that I experienced in the past, why it all happened. It was all a preparation to get me to this stage in my life now. And when I, you know, when I say, sometimes I say this to people, I'm so grateful the fact that my dad passed away the way, the way that he did. I'm so grateful I became a carer. I'm so grateful that I had anxiety and depression. I'm so grateful for the teacher in Pakistan who was abusing me, right? Yeah, yeah. And they they look at me, why? Why why are you so grateful? It's because it's, it's that inner knowing, that peace within me that I've, when you move, move past your trauma, you've over, overcome your trauma, you've healed your trauma. The whole point is to feel it, to heal it. Right. And that's what I was doing. I was feeling it to healing it constantly. And it went out of my body. Now I'm so great. I can see things clearly. You know, I'm so grateful that the, all of that happened in my life. And I would not even change it for a thing. I would not even change it for a thing. I could, you know, and there's going to be many challenges. My mom's still alive. There's going to be many challenges in my life. But, I, you know, I would not change it for a thing because what I'm going out there and showing people, teaching people what, what I've learned, inspiring people. I'm not just doing it for me. I'm just, I'm at service. It's like to universe, you know, I remember, you know, I remember sitting, um, you know, one, one day while, you know, trying to pull up a trauma, like, okay, what trauma am I going to look into? It was almost like a game to me then. I was like, yeah, what trauma am I going to pull into? Like, and as I started asking, nothing was coming up. And I was, it was, it was peaceful. It was joy. I was feeling joy. And I was like, I sat there thinking, maybe have I really healed past all these traumatic life experiences? And I realized that I did because I was feeling amazing. You know, I was grateful for all those traumatic experiences. And then it got to a point where, okay, I've done all this healing, still on this healing journey. It never ends. Um, what what do you want me to do universe i'm a great believer in universe what do you want me to do do you, what you know give me a sign i'll leave it to you and i you know just give me a sign and then i kid you not like <laughs> like, few, like few weeks later me and my friend was stood outside of a building low attraction we were at low attraction event and uh, we were talking about um public speaking and she was she was talking about how she wants to be a public speaker because she gets stage fright she's an actor act, actress right and i was like okay what is public speaking is this a, like a business business conference thing and she's like no no you can go on stage and you can share your story and i was like oh, okay while we were talking about public speaking these two guys popped out of the building talking about public speaking and they teach public speaking right at the same time so it was her idea she didn't go for it. i went for it. i took it as a sign and i went for it and then i did like so much research on it and um and it just happened that i stood in front of 100 people uh sharing my story and then three months later 250 people sharing what i did after you know my story that in a healing that i was just telling you about and then went on to get nominated for awards and best inspiration person of the year award kind of thing. But, you know, it, yeah. So going back to it, I wasn't even looking at what I want for myself. It's like, what can I do for others? What can I do? What can you do for others? And when you have that mindset of, uh, I want to be at service to others and not to your own, you have to fill your own cup up first. Yeah. before you can get to others and that's what i was doing i was healing those traumas so i can get to the others right so i can help them see theirs and they can they have the choice of whether they want to carry on with it or not you know so and it just comes to you it comes to you when you're not thinking about yourself and your uh, i say i'm on universe's universe's payroll now basically <laughs> <laughs> well universe it's the universe <laughs> 
Do you feel that, you know, you were born to serve? Do you think that was your ultimate purpose? I think so, because after this is given me much, much clarity of what I'm going to do in this world. You know, you know, for some people, purpose may not be um, their purpose may be just be a mother and that's their purpose. And some people's purpose is, um, you know, going out serving people. Some people's purpose is something else. They're doing charity work. It doesn't matter what your purpose purpose is as long as you enjoy doing it. You know, they say that the things that excite you the most, you should follow that. And, you know, when I'm on stage, I'm so I just feel amazing. I stand in front of people sharing whatever I need to share. And it just feels amazing. I feel excited by it, you know, and that is my purpose and I'm following it, yeah. you know? You're so, yeah. As well. I've seen yeah. books and I was wowed and just the emotion that you have as well. You know, yeah. Yeah. You were born to be a speaker. <laughs> yeah. Everybody says that. And I think, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a life, it's been a lifelong journey, but you know, um, I say to people, you know, the most important work that you would do is to, if you want to find your purpose, you have to dig in and, you know, a lot of people get onto the surface and they kind of dig in and it's quite painful looking at your, your demons, you know, your inner demons, your inner, your shadow work. Right. And so if you want to find your true purpose in life, you have to go, you know, those traumas that's been left is I call them like rotten tomatoes. That's my example of it. Really. I like that. So you have a trash can and you have a trash can inside of you. And every time something happens, like say, for example, you go through a heartbreak or you have something happened at Tesco or something big trauma, like, you know, like, um, abuse or or losing a family member it's like all these traumas like it's like i call them rotten tomatoes getting stored in your body and in your trash can and what happens is that when we don't look at it we'll go for distractions and we can't find and feel it to heal it kind of thing we, it builds up builds up builds up builds up to a point you don't know who you are you don't know where you go in life you lose your purpose and and you're you're it's playing out in your relationships, it's playing out in your work life, it's playing out everywhere, right? Because it's thinking rotten tomatoes, right? It's it's thinking inside of you, it's thinking outside of you, right? So what I do, what I say is like to go in every time when something happens, say for example, you go through a heartbreak, rather than jumping onto your next relationship or relationship after relationship, you know, is to look within yourself, heal past this, this relationship, current relationship, and then go out so you're basically feeling it you know sitting down okay expressing it accepting it okay you know um this happened i'm allowing myself to be sad i'm allowing myself to be angry i'm allowing myself to feel all these feelings and emotions and then it comes out which comes roaring out that's one rotten tomato out it doesn't matter like it may be like a it may be a rotten onion you know it's like you have to keep on peeling the surface of it right and to get to the core um and it's like if you keep clearing it out you're clean inside you're completely clean inside that's where the treasure is um you know like you have uh, so many rotten tomatoes you clear them out and then you get to, you when you clear them out that's where the clean like you're you're clean you can start your life the way you want it yeah sure. mm. I, I, I love that rotten tomatoes and i was gonna ask because because you know you're healed so you're on the other end of the spectrum now and there's still so i think the majority of the world is under some form of trauma is it easy for you to identify those who are struggling and who still have unresolved trauma yeah i mean i you know i wouldn't say i'm fully healed you know, I've healed the, uh, I've got, I've not, I'm probably not even fully healed the trauma that I've experienced, you know, but I've got to a stage where once you've done that work, you're able to, like we were talking about before, you know, we were able to, you're able to talk about it a lot in a lighter sense, you know, when you know you've healed something, you're, your whole, um, you, you don't feel hurt by it. You don't feel, um, angry or sad by it. You feel great. You feel grateful. That's when you, that's when you feel right. Um, but I'm always going to be on a healing journey. Everybody is going to be, but it is really easy to identify, 
um, because the work that I've done and the the experience that I know I can tell how many people uh, who's who's got who's got who's not looking looking into that trauma. I can I can tell how they're avoiding things. I can the way they talk, the way they do things. You 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 you're you're um, more conscious of it. Yeah. that way but I don't go out and tell them well you need to do this 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 you know it's very hard to it's very hard to you know yeah. <laughs> the only way the only way I see it is to do the work on myself and they see you and they get inspired by you and then they take action on you know whenever they're they're ready to oh wow and so you're going to be going into schools aren't you to teach yes hopefully wow. yes <laughs> I know I know yeah See, this is this is amazing because you know I've um, I've been recently uh, I was interviewed by amazing guy Krish Patel, right? You know, and he shares um, stories on his platform, and um, he 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 got me in, in the book as well, and in on the podcast, and it just went on from there and there and there. Now I'm delivering workshops for him, you know. Um, so this is to teachers and head teachers and that's great. And like, at, and at some point it will get to a point where I'm going to be going in talking to the kids and, you know, speaking to the kids and showing them. And I feel it is so important. I mean, you're a mother yourself and you've been on this healing journey yourself, haven't you? It's so important for us to teach our kids, uh, to tap into the feelings and emotions, obviously not the raw of it, like, like an adult does, but as long as they're aware of the, the, what it's almost like, you know, we, we need to teach them how to regulate themselves at an early age, you know? And, you know, it gets to a point where we, because we're not taught that in schools, it gets to a point where they're carrying all this trauma, not don't know what to do with it. You know, they don't, they have no idea how to deal with it. And then they get to a midlife crisis when things shift inside of them. Then they have a long journey ahead of them because, you know, I was interviewing Mr. Bob Doyle from The Secret on my podcast and he was basically talking about rewiring your brain. Mm -hmm. And he, he said the most people... Um, had to, it took them lifetime to be wired a certain way. It will take them even longer to rewire them themselves. So, if I, if we're teaching our kids from an early age to be wired, the tools that was given that the t- the feelings that they can tap into. You know, if they're wired that way from an early age, then they don't have to, when they get to an adult stage, midlife crisis, they don't have to change too much to come into that realization. Oh my God, my whole life's been a mess kind of thing, you know? So now I have to clean up that mess, you know? So I think, yeah, it's very, very important. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts on that. You know, you have a child, I know you have a, you have a child yourself. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Cause you know, our kids are our next generation and, if we can help them now and just try and, you know, understand them better, then I feel like they've got a, you know, a much more fulfilling future ahead because obviously me and you, you know, we're both survivors and because we had so much unresolved trauma and that came out in very um, disruptive ways, you know, later on in our adulthood. And it, it took me decades to even understand what had happened to me to actually heal from that. So and during that time, I mean, I was on a destructive journey. Mm, and I just yes. feel that if we can try and help our children to avoid going through that, then they'll just have such a better life ahead of them. And yeah. Yeah. The and they're going to be thriving, absolutely thriving in life. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Children, definitely. We need to teach them more um, life skills and self-awareness and just mm. how to meditate because that's something yeah. you've been doing, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So meditate and, you know, showing them that, you know, the 50% of external world and the 50% internal world. And that's when they, they are balanced at the moment. I feel like a lot of our world is very much external, you know, but there are people who are going through their own inner awakening at the moment, you know, especially during pandemic, a lot of people waking up to their own truths. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're spiritual or this, that and the other, but they have going through that realization. They're sitting with themselves. They're self-reflecting, even though if some are resisting it, others are embracing it, you know? And it's great. It's absolutely amazing because well, if we, the more of the adults wake up to it, the more we can teach the kids, right? 
Exactly. You know, so you need an adult who's aware of it to teach the child. Yeah. Basically, that's all it is. Yeah. And okay. yeah. And this is why we're out there delivering these podcasts to help. Yes. Adults to wake up. Not <laughs> 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 <Have> the coffee. <laughs> to that power. <laughs> hang on, hang on, Mike. You were in a music video dressed as badass warrior. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> what? I'm not, I'm not heard of this. <laughs> well, you're going to have to send me the link or can I find it on YouTube? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course I will. But basically that was just, um, when I won the uh, best female inspiration person of the year award, um, the guy who hosts, uh, the whole event was a, he's a singer. So he was looking for warriors for his music video. And it just happened because we kind of became friends because I want, you know, part of you and you get into the part of the kind of community that kind of sense. Yeah. Um, so I said, well, oh, funny you should say that. I have a Katniss Everdeen's uh, costume that I wore at a birthday party a few <laughs> years ago. Well, this do. <laughs> I have the costume, but I don't have the sword. <laughs> He said, he, said, he, said, he said it's all right because we'll, we'll, we'll give you the sword forget the bow and arrow as well it's fine so I was like okay and um, so yeah I just got I just ended, just by a simple conversation I just ended up in a music video and it was absolutely amazing filming like you know I was dressed as cat well a warrior coming in with the sword saving him and you know <laughs> it was just great I, did, I had so much fun so much fun filming that opportunities that have just come to you and I just think that it's just amazing and no wonder you're super grateful I understand that yeah I mean yeah it's yeah I'm just sitting there the, you know the other day I'm just thinking um everything that I've been through in my life it's the opportunities that's opening up, you know, it's, it's incredible. And I don't even know how to how, and feel that gratefulness. I just don't know how to even express it. I don't, you can't even find the words to it. You know, you know, some, some sit there and just like, thank the universe. And I'm crying. It was like, Oh my God, thank you universe for all this like amazing opportunity, including the hard times. But you know, it's, it's just, I don't know, the more grateful you are, the more you manifest in your life, you know, and you know, that is the missing link. If you're, if you're into love attraction, you know, like attracts like, you know, negative attracts, attracts negative and positive and positive. Then, you know, we all know that being in a, in a negative state of mind, you're going to attract more and more of that. But there's also, you know, a lot of us in our personal development think that the, we have to quickly switch from negative to positive and bypass the healing process. So I found the missing link. You have to, if you're feeling negative, heal what you have inside of you, get that rotten tomato out, and then you're, you're in a better position, place, grateful, true gratefulness, not on a, on a surface gratefulness, then you attract the things that you want, you know? Um, cause we, we're kind of covering it again, you know, we're distracting the trauma, like, Oh, trauma's there. I'm feeling negative. I'm going to attract more negativity. I'm going to brush it under the carpet and then be more positive, but it's, it's, you're not dealt with it. You know, so how can you get more things in your life if you can't let go of the old, you know? It is. Yeah. I don't know, you know, life throws these crazy obstacles in a way. I mean, I, I witnessed a lot of negativity during my COVID illness because it just drains you and you lose your life. Mm. You know, your mm. soul just, I don't know, something just happens to you when you're so ill. Yeah. Um, I, I knew it was going to pass and I was just kind of just experiencing these emotions so that I'd have something to talk about afterwards. And wow, you know, I, I get that negative place. It's horrible. Yeah, it is. And also there's a, um, when I had COVID as well, so obviously you know, I had, um, I've had long COVID symptoms for three months uh, afterwards. I had this, you know, really bad back pain, but you know, during my COVID um, I was actually uh, experiencing more of a like things like, you know, I was, um, this is going to sound really weird and woo-woo kind of thing, but I was experiencing, you know, like an out-of-body experience and I was ex experiencing astral projection every day, every day for a week, you know? And, um, I was like, it was like floating around in my flat. And, and also I was, um, 
you know, and then the second week of the COVID experience was where I completely went down the emotional, um, you know, uh, channel where it was very dark and I had to, I was purging a lot out, you know, it was just coming out and out and out. And so, you know, looking back, I could easily say this is, this was a negative experience, but actually it was an upgrade. Every virus is is an upgrade, right? So that was definitely, yeah, it was an upgrade because I am so much lighter. I feel so much clarity in where I want to do. And like, you know, the, this is the thing, like when we think we're in dark times, we, we're not grateful for it. When we're in dark times, you, you don't realize that you're going to come back up or you're going to come back up stronger, you know? So COVID times, if even if you feeling that negativity, there was something obviously there for you to look at experience or insights for you to get, you know? So just like the pandemic, everybody thought the even though it was like a lot of people were losing their lives and it is like this virus is like, you know, quite brutal in some sense. There's a lot of positive things that are coming out of it as well. Whereas I, I like I said before people are 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 able to do different things differently you know they're aware of different concepts they're aware of self self-awareness they're aware of their own stuff and they they're they're making changes in their life to um to to um to be in a more happier state you know, so there is always a positive side to everything, you know, so it's, it's just a matter of how you see it. Um, but when you're going through it, you hate it. You know, I hate it, my trauma, I hate everything, you know, but then when I, when you do the work, it's just an upgrade. Everything in your life is an upgrade. Wow. It's about just um, trying to get through it. And, you know, I believe in the support of the community, you know, if you've mm-hmm. got some good people around you to you know, communicate how you feel, then it kind of offloads a lot as well, doesn't it? And, but I know that as I was going through my dark times, I, I just, I just didn't know who to trust. So that was always a bit of an obstacle for me, uh, which mm. meant I kept everything in. Um, yeah. I, my healing took longer than it probably should have. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. It's so, such an amazing point that you just, um, you just pointed out basically the community sense and the people you surround yourself is so important, right? You know, if they don't get your journey, then your journey is going to be longer mm-hmm. and uh, harder. And, um, there were, there were times when during my healing in the last five years, while I've been on this path, there was times I was aligned with people who were, we were misaligned, you know, they were out there partying and I was seeing a partying and, you know, getting, you know, drunk and, you know, and I was seeing that, but I was seeing that pain. They were running away from quite a lot of things in in their lives and, it's just the, the, the way I was talking about the things that from my perspective and the philosophy was completely different to the way they were coming in. So we weren't really on the same vibrational match. Now I have a community who are on the same path, amazing people. They're all in their inner healing journey. They're all, uh, it's almost like a tribe. It's almost like a community of family. You know, I say it's a, that I may have not had, I've only got my mom, so I may not have had a family kind of thing, you know, support. And these are the people are giving me that support and they are my family, you know? So I'm not, I'm never, you're never on your own and finding community is so important. And and I'm glad you have, you know, so you can tap into them and you can share your knowledge experience and, and then you can share it out in the world together. You can collaborate together as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and this is my podcast bit podcast has been so great because it gives a platform for people to come and share their stories and a lot of the time it's the first time that you know that some actual survivors are sharing their stories so you know it can be quite transformational and tell my listeners about your podcast oh yeah so (laughs) well you were on my podcast as well by the way (laughs) (laughs) that's the only reason I said this <laughs> yeah, it's just, it was such an amazing interview. Anyway, so, so many people tapped into it. So yeah, my podcast is um, is called Soul Awakenings with Madhya Sosan. So obviously, is uh, interviewing people who've been through adversity and now thriving in life. So you're one, obviously, one of them. I interviewed, and there's other people like you, Mr. Bob Doyle from The Secret, and you know, we talked about meditation, yoga, and so many, so many things, numerology. 
and the internal family system is amazing, you know, um, therapy to tap into. Um, and yeah, so yeah, that's my podcast. It was just aimed for, to, you know, help people who are going through adversity and help them if they're going through that spiritual awakening or inner awakening and help them see sense. Because when I was going through it on my own for two years, when I was doing the healing, I, you know, I felt alone and isolated i wanted like i said like community or somebody who would just understand what i was going through you know so these people these are platform your platform platform my platform um is like you know if they can find something that they can resonate with you know they're they won't feel alone anymore absolutely fantastic so everyone please tune in to soul awakenings with Medea Sosan um you'll find it on all the major platforms and uh, absolutely get on there and how else can my listeners find you um so yeah I'm on uh, Instagram Medea Sosan one uh, and on Facebook Medea Sosan so you can find me anywhere my YouTube is Mads Corner M-A-D-Z Corner as in standing in a corner I love saying that <laughs> I don't know why I chose. I would love saying, um, and also my website. <laughs> yeah, I have a website, madiasosan.com. You can find me there. You can find me everywhere. Oh, perfect. So, uh, just a few questions before we do end this amazing interview, which I've thoroughly enjoyed, and I can't believe the time because it's just absolutely. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you say would be your greatest lesson to date? Mm, my greatest lesson to date mm. my greatest lesson oh my god you I remember me grilling you with these questions now you're doing the same aren't you <laughs> <laughs> same <right> time. <laughs> <laughs> this is making you think <laughs> it is making you think I wasn't expecting this at all <laughs> I love it I love it I think my greatest lesson to date is I think um, when I was going through trauma, I was trying to control everything. So the lesson is to let go of the control and trust is my greatest lesson. Yeah. In the universe. Oh, that's yes. amazing. That's an amazing yeah. lesson. Wow. What, what would be your advice? As you know that this podcast is for survivors of abuse and trauma. So what would be your advice to my listeners? The advice that I would would give is is the same is to um, look, if you can, if you want to work with a therapist or anybody you trust, to look in and try sitting with your feelings and emotion. You know, that's the biggest advice that I could say is that feel it to heal it. You know, once you've healed it, it's scary at first when you're peeling the first layer of the onion is scary. But once you get used to kind of just, you keep peeling it, peeling, you get to the core, you completely release it and then you'll start to you know feel feel absolutely amazing you know so that is the only advice and and also that darkness is not going to last forever you know there's always a light at the end of end of the tunnel you are absolute warriors for surviving you know you will always be warriors and now you you're a warrior you're going to teach your kids that you know um and and that will come with not just very um very like steel energy like it would be more like soft gentle warrior with the with emotion it tapped into emotional guidance system um so yeah you're absolutely warriors absolutely love you to bits you are yeah Mm -hmm. and you're a warrior too wow thank you so much for sharing that where will we see you next Oh, ooh. yes. So I'm going to be speaking at Tales to Inspire uh, event in Manchester. So if you can, if anybody wants to get come down, is, um, so it's, it's with six different speakers and I'm one of the speakers going to be uh, speaking at the event. Yeah, sharing the story. There's, I think there's um, uh, someone from who lost um, her son at Manchester Arena Attack and there's, there's quite a few uh, amazing, inspiring speakers speaking at the event. So 11th of February, um, if you look up Tales to Inspire, um, you'll find the link there. If you, you can get your tickets. Oh, perfect. That's great. So yeah, tap into that, everybody. And uh, wow, and that's it. Time is up. Thank you so much for such an inspirational thought, which I know will benefit many. And you've just been amazing, the journey that you've gone through and, you know, the the lessons that you've learned. And now you're out there sharing it with the world. You're not only keeping it to yourself, which I think is a blessing as well. 
serving yeah. the world. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You're absolutely amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to following you on where you go next. Listener, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. thank you so much for um, tuning in today. And I look forward to seeing you all on the next show. Until then, stay blessed, stay empowered and keep healing. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Victim to Victor. Subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes and be sure to follow the podcast on socials to keep updated on what's next and share Victim to Victor with family and friends to help grow the community and spread the positive healing energy.